0: I assume it's okay because he was like, You're adorable. And that's when I was just like, I guess we're okay.
1: We know we're adorable, sir. Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy.
0: Hi, Liz. Hey, Miss.
1: Liz, what are you drinking?
0: I'm just drinking some tea. I got uh, myself some new plum deluxe tea. I'm currently drinking the citrus mint green tea and it is delicious. Have you ever had a plum deluxe tea? And if you don't, you should definitely treat yourself to a cup of it.
1: I actually love plum deluxe tea. Really? Yeah. I really like the um, abundance green tea because I really like iced tea and I try that iced and it is like the perfect iced tea.
0: You know what? I also drank the Abundance Blend green tea, but I didn't try it iced. I had it hot, but I liked the fruity flavor that it had to it. It had almost like a strawberry hint, which I was really a fan of.
1: Yeah, there's uh, passion fruit extract in it.
0: That's it. See, I've never had an actual passion fruit.
1: You're not passionate about the fruit?
0: I'm not, but I, speaking of fruit and passion, uh, I tried the Dragon Fruit Desire, which is one of their herbal teas.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: And it was so good because I'm a fan of a lot of like oolongs and stuff. And it kind of had that flavor profile, which I was totally digging. And that one I did have both iced and hot. And I liked both variations. In fact, the iced version, I didn't even need to add any sweetener to.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: And then the crazier one that I tried was the uh, Gratitude Blend, which is a strawberry Earl Grey.
1: Oh, strawberry Earl Grey.
0: Yeah, which I thought was going to be real wild, but I added like a little bit of vanilla almond milk to it. Oh, my gosh.
1: So fancy.
0: This thing tasted like a dessert. It was so good.
1: Oh, why I prefer black teas. I like my green tea, but I really like black teas. So I'm super excited to try this Oregon breakfast black tea. Uh, It says like a beautiful sunrise celebrate today. It has uh, orange peel and hazelnut essence in it. That's going to that's going to be good on my Saturday morning brunch. See, I appreciate
0: your patience because <laughs> I am the minute I got the teas, I could not wait to crack into it and I tried every single one that I got. It was a problem.
1: <laughs> you might be a little addicted.
0: <laughs> Well, from bold caffeinated blends to relaxing herbal blends, incredible dessert teas or fun floral flavors, there's a delicious tea just waiting for you. Every blend is made fresh in-house using only the highest quality ingredients and carefully crafted recipes. They also have a popular Tea of the Month Club, which gets you free shipping other amazing perks, such as a tea and a sample just for the club. And you also get discounts. You can choose from caffeinated or non-caffeinated. And for $15, you can get two teas and a surprise tea with a sample. Their That's website ex- also has a sweet section. <gasps>
1: oh my goodness.
0: Cause I don't know about you, but I like honey in my tea. Uh-huh, yeah. And they have honey sticks. <gasps> Stick of honey. And they also have hot chocolate and peppermint sticks.
1: Oh, what? <gasps> oh I know. This is just this keeps getting better.
0: Well, If you're unsure, but obviously you like black tea, but if you're unsure about like what kind of tea you like, they do have a tea quiz on their website, which is just four questions and helps give you a selection of teas based on your answers for you to try based on whether you like sweet teas or like more savory teas, or you like chai's and masala. They had one I saw on their website. That's a high afternoon white tea, which has tasting notes of peach and pear. I feel
1: like that's a pinky up tea.
0: Uh, well, I mean, it does have high tea in it, and I feel like <laughs> I need to make like a lot of little sandwiches for that, but I definitely want to try it. That's what I'm looking forward to. We should do that one day. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll just have a really fancy hunter happy hour high tea. <laughs>
1: Nothing like the ladies of balls having high tea.
0: You know what? We could have a hunter happy hour high tea because I was going through, and I actually found, I think, selections that I think the boys would like.
1: Oh, I did too. What? I know. I saw a couple of them, and I was like, that that's a Bobby tea. That's a Dean tea.
0: Okay, let's compare and contrast. Okay. What was your Dean tea?
1: My Dean tea is the uh, apple cinnamon tea.
0: Ooh, see, I picked the Fireside Chat black tea.
1: Oh, the apple cinnamon reminded me of pie.
0: Ooh, okay, I can get it with the pie. See, yeah. I picked this because it was the closest I could find to like a, like a malt tea, so it was smoky with chocolate and <gasps> walnut.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: And to me, I was just like, well, you know, when Dean's out, like that's his kind of thing. Yeah. So what's your Sam tea?
1: My Sam tea is the Hope Blend green tea, because it's described as soft, sweet, and encouraging.
0: Ooh, I picked the Garden Grove green tea.
1: Oh, both green teas. That's cool. Yeah,
0: and it's got hints of jasmine and cherry. I figured like Sam would want that like zen moment in his life.
1: <sighs> exactly.
0: What was your Castiel tea?
1: Uh, my Castiel tea was Wise Council herbal tea. Uh, one, there's no caffeine, so because you know Cass doesn't sleep because he's an angel, so he yes. doesn't need wow. you no know, caffeine to stay awake. Uh, but then it was also it said, described as mental clarity and emotional strength, and I feel like he provides those things for the boys.
0: I appreciate how serious you took that. I picked the magical <laughs> butterfly herbal tea.
1: That was my second choice.
0: Um, which is also non-caffeinated because we have non-caffeinated Cass, but it's got that butterfly pea flower, and I was like, ooh, it would make a nice blue color, which matches his tie.
1: Yeah, and it wings, Butterfly. It has wings,
0: but yeah, it's, the, it's a magical butterfly. Oh. <gasps> what was your bobby tea?
1: My bobby tea was the Heritage Blend Black Tea, which is a maple Scottish breakfast blend. It has the most caffeine. It's four on oh. their caffeine. Their caffeine scale goes one to four, and it's a number four. Uh, powerful caffeine pick-me-up in that described as you feel the strong roots of the tea, and it's always there for you
0: that's a good one i got the best friends advice herbal tea
1: oh i i didn't see that one i must have been scrolling
0: too fast <laughs> it has a really interesting like flavor profile because it's st john's wort and mango really which i'm curious about but mm-hmm. it's quoted as saying no you are supported
1: oh that's bobby
0: and i felt that that, that really met bobby yeah, i agree well guys if you're really interested in some plum deluxe teas we got some news for you Woo-hoo! we have a coupon code just for you guys
1: this is so exciting
0: so if you want to and we highly suggest it obviously visit plumdeluxecom slash spn balls that's spn b-a-l-l-s and use the vip code spn balls spn to save 12% on your first first order today father's day is just around the corner and i don't know if your parents really like tea but my dad freaking loves black tea to the point where i made my first order from Plum deluxe tea and he asked me what I got him.
1: <laughs> he yelled at you, didn't he?
0: He did, because I was like, oh, dad, I got some green teas. He's like, you know, I like black tea. Why don't you buy me black tea? And I was like, dad, calm down. You can use my VIP code on Plum Deluxe and buy it yourself.
1: <laughs> Chill out, dad.
0: So remember, tea also makes a great gift, and Father's Day is kind of right around the corner. So
1: maybe he will get that tea.
0: Maybe. Mm-hmm. That's PlumDeluxeTea.com. All right, now let me put this aside. You want to get into this episode or we have anything to talk about? Uh, I don't think we have anything to talk about. I think we kind of touch on everything. Um, You posted about Hunter Happy Hour, so we're still doing that. I did. that's in August.
1: Cocktail to come shortly.
0: Yes, I'm going to work on that this week before I go to the convention.
1: Oh, do you want to talk about the convention?
0: The one I'm going to? Yeah. I was like, for me, I thought you were like, we're going to talk MementoCon. And I was like, I wasn't prepared.
1: No, our convention. We have our own. (laughs) Our own.
0: Balls, a super. Oh my God. (gasps) (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be so cool. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that is such a marketing thing. That would die. TM, 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 TM. Balls, a supernatural podcast. It introduces Balls, a supernatural convention. Ah. Ah. Okay, sorry. Oh, that is gold. It'll be our. Oh my god, that's what we should do if we go to Memento Con. We're
1: manifesting goals right now. Yes. That's what's happening.
0: Mm, That tea is so good. Okay. Um, Yeah, so by the time we have one more episode and then I'm gone, so we're going to record two episodes, and then I'll probably talk way more about it, but I'm going to Colossal Con in Sandusky, Ohio, June 2nd to the 6th, which is an anime and gaming convention at Kalahari, which is a water park resort.
1: Oh, that sounds like fun!
0: Yeah, so not only do you get to make random cosplays, but you get to make uh, non-canon cosplays, or you can make canon cosplays in swimsuit versions. Oh, I know. This so is I like have
1: double the fun.
0: I know. So I have like two. I have two swim cosplays, and then regular cosplays, and then right. one that kind of works as both.
1: Very cool.
0: So hopefully it'll be wild. I'll probably post some pictures, and yeah, it's gonna be crazy. It'll be. I'm wild, very excited. I'm dragging my brother. it'll be cray at the kalahari oh so fun um so yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm making my brother go he's gonna cosplay for the first time
1: well that's exciting yeah
0: and he's cosplaying like the main character from demon slayer which is gonna be great but yeah uh it's gonna be fun so that's what i'm gonna be doing do you have any thoughts going into this episode before we go into the episode i love it it's one of my favorite <laughs> episodes.
1: That's all I can say.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: I love it. I love everything about it.
0: It's taken a monster that we've already seen multiple times, and we'll see it later, and gives it such a fun fucking twist. It, it's such a fun twist.
1: It is. It's so fun.
0: This episode really showed to me uh, like how creative the writers of Supernatural can be.
1: Yes! <laughs> it's so different from anything that they've done.
0: I know, when it opened up, I was real confused. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Did I mess up?
1: Am I watching the right thing now?
0: Yeah, the first time I saw it, it was on TV, and I was like, did I mess up a time frame? Did they move something and not tell me? I Am mean, don't I on get me the wrong, wrong. channel? <laughs> I love black and white films, but like, really thought I was coming into Supernatural, I was not prepared. And then I wasn't prepared.
1: No, you can't be prepared for this.
0: Uh, so, if you're just tuning in, the episode we are going to be talking about, this episode, episode 61, because you missed it. We just had our 60th episode. Woo, woo. Uh, yeah. Um, is episode 5, season 4, Monster Movie, which came out October 16th, 2008. That's one day after my birthday. And takes place in Cannonsburg, PA.
1: Which, by the way, anybody who's watching this, Cannonsburg is not a little german square no it is not it does not look anything like that false advertising
0: but it is cute it has a really good candy store slash chocolate shop sarah's
1: it is cute
0: yeah, and i'm not uh, i'm not
1: hating on canonsburg it's a nice little town
0: it is a nice little town and they i think they're the ones that had the old-fashioned christmas last year oh did they i think they were the ones let me fact check myself canonsburg this is also like right outside where i work so mm-hmm. that's wild to me. Cannon's bug. Cannon's,
1: Cannon's bug.
0: <laughs> yep. yep. So they had the hallmark old-fashioned Christmas. Oh, that,
1: that's right. They did.
0: Mhm. So it is a cute town.
1: It is a cute town. It's not a, a quaint German village, though. No, it is not. As is portrayed in this episode.
0: I wish it was, though.
1: Oh, That would be so much cooler.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know.
1: Then they would have the most epic Oktoberfest.
0: Is this also the first time they're in Pennsylvania? No, they were in Erie. No. They were in Pittsburgh too. That's right. I was about to say, and
1: Catanning, they like to get around the southwestern Pennsylvania, which I'm fine with. I just western liked, Pennsylvania.
0: I just like the fact that, like, it was. It's a dark and stormy night. The Impala crosses into the border into Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's my sound of lightning slash thunder.
1: I like that. That's in my tiddly bit. <laughs> oh, good.
0: <laughs> oh man. All right. So before we get too into it, do you want to get into the synopsis? Tell I us do. what we're looking in this episode.
1: Okay. The Winchester brothers find themselves at a local Oktoberfest celebration in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, investigating a series of suspicious murders being perpetrated by what locals describe and are seen by the viewers in scenes filmed in black and white as monsters from classic 1930s horror movies. They soon discover this is the work of a shapeshifter obsessed with monster movies. The shapeshifter has become infatuated with a local bartender, Jamie, whom they got close to as an alternate identity as a friend and co-worker, that didn't that didn't come off the tongue like I thought it would. <laughs> Jealous of Dean's budding romance with Jamie, it captures them both in plans to kill Dean and make Jamie its bride. Sam finds and frees Dean, while they battle the shapeshifter in the form of Count Dracula. Jamie kills it by shooting it with Sam's silver loaded gun, which it deems a fitting end to the its own quote unquote movie. The next day, Dean and Jamie part with a kiss. It was more than one kiss. They were making out in the little town square.
0: It was full blown making out, yeah. like.
1: Like, if other people weren't around, it probably would have went further. Uh, An episode closes out on Sam guessing which movie Dean would like to live in. (laughs) And we all know that's Porky's
0: too. As a side note, uh, in Cannonsburg is the Pennsylvania Bavarian Oktoberfest.
1: So they do have a big Oktoberfest. They do have
0: a big big Oktoberfest in Cannonsburg. So I don't know if that's the one that they were using for this, but...
1: So they were accurate on the on the background
0: whether they meant to be or not <laughs> <laughs> it could have just been I don't a know
1: coincidence.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's the Pennsylvania Bavarian Oktoberfest that's fun okay so to start this off I guess who was your favorite monster
1: um I don't I like
0: the mummy I liked. I like Dracula
1: yeah I like Dracula in the sense that he was like a little corny trying to be like the old horror movie Draculas,
0: but I thought the mummy just looked cool. The mummy did look cool, but I think that's why I liked Dracula, is that he was trying so hard to emulate yeah. Bela Lugosi's Dracula that I with was his, living for. Yeah. <sighs> his
1: arm up above, and then the accent. And the yeah. hand.
0: I The Bela yeah. Lugosi hand is always the, what gets me.
1: Then there was always the light over his eyes, so that's all you could see. Mm-hmm. Not that it was him doing it, but you know, just that effect.
0: I don't know. This episode was just so frickin' creative that was, I absolutely loved it.
1: I loved everything about it. I love the way it was shot. I love the black and white. I love like the the odd angles and weird close-ups and then like the the jokes between Sam and Dean. I, I just loved everything about it.
0: I also I liked how confused it made the Winchesters. Mhm. To see yeah. them to see them like Dean excited about like a hunt. And then them get to the hunt and be like, wait a minute, this is two, this is like two pinpricks. That's not what vampires do. Right. But they're all like, it's a vampire. And They're like, no, vampires have tons of teeth. Not these two little, like literal Dracula. (laughs) And I like the fact that they don't say Dracula, they're like, like a Dracula. Yeah. It's not a Dracula.
1: Not the Dracula.
0: I also felt like it was kind of out of character of Dean for how hard he was trying to pick up Jamie. Yeah, it was like, a little... I feel like he, he would come on strong, but if they shoot him down, he'd just be like, okay, on to the next one.
1: Is this his first try, though, after coming back to life? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's lost Maybe. his game a little.
0: Because he not does not in the ground that long. He
1: does say that he uh, is a virgin again. Come on. But then he also talked about being rehymenated, which I feel is kind of impossible, since from what I remember from health class, that can't happen
0: yeah and he like again he wasn't on in the ground guy. that long i know
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was in pretty good shape when he got back up yeah everything was back to the way it was all the scars and all the what he said what disfiguration yeah <laughs> i don't think he was disfigured i want to know what the fuck he's talking about i also i was with sam on that where i was just like can an angel really make you a virgin again i think you're lying
1: might have taken away your std but you're still not a virgin
0: (laughs) don't stop get it get it i guess also the fact that this kid is like there's no werewolves in pennsylvania have you ever been to pennsylvania we have bobcats in pennsylvania
1: (laughs) that will eat you
0: yeah we have wolves in pennsylvania
1: it will happen coyotes there was something in my backyard by the creek the other day that was just going to town there, it was sounded it a werewolf? Well no well, at first I thought it was like it could have been. I don't I looked out and couldn't see anything. But first it sounded like raccoons fighting, and then I heard like a deer grunt, and then there was a weird bird noise, and then it sounded like two bucks like fighting, like antlers clacking. Mm. But it went on for a long time. I have no idea what was going on.
0: Maybe it was a werewolf. Oh <gasps> shit. I was also always surprised that there was always a witness for the most part. Yeah. Like the first one was Ed, Ed, mm-hmm. Ed uh, yes. and then obviously Anna Marie was there when Rick got ripped to shreds. <laughs> oh, poor Rick! Poor Rick. That's why you don't brush something off and be like, "There's not here." That's come on. There's
1: no wolves in Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. yeah well, that yeah, one just
1: ate you. So
0: there's obviously a wolf, sir. <laughs> the only one who didn't really was the uh, the night watchman he didn't have like a right there was no one around for him no it was just him but i thought that was weird that there were two like straight up witnesses and of course it's always philadelphia because that sarcophagus came from philadelphia
1: <laughs> i like when sam sees that and he just like this is stupid <laughs> like this whole thing's dumb
0: this is a this is a prop with dry ice like somebody's trying real fucking hard here
1: but the teeniest bucket ever I know! When Dean pulled out that teeny tiny bucket, I was like, "That, that's it?
0: I that's mean, it's definitely not a big space,
1: but like, the teeny baby bucket. Oh my god. Or what about when uh, Dra- Dracula drives off on the moped? <laughs>
0: like-, <laughs> like I said, I- Dracula's my favorite. <laughs> Honks his little horn. <laughs> meep me. Meep me. He also
1: lives in like a cul de sac. But then, is it his basement that is just this entire, like, dungeon set? I like, guess. Where did he build that in, like, this ranch house? Like, that's what I want to know.
0: <laughs> this, the whole chase scene just killed me. Like, the and the fact, I don't know, everything about it. I'd, if I were to cast them, okay, mm, I don't know if I'd cast Dean as Harker. As Jonathan Harker. No. But, like, maybe... <laughs> Also, like, who tears off someone's ear besides Picasso? <laughs> Why was that what he was going for?
1: And he Dean held on to grabbed- it that whole time.
0: <laughs> Dean could have grabbed any part of Dracula, and that's the one he went for. Was he trying to Scooby Do it, like remove a mask? to he like who- the old man behind it? Like, at that Maybe. point, he was so confused about what they were dealing with that he was like, this has to be Scooby Doo.
1: None of this makes sense. Let me just rip off your mask.
0: Yeah- oh, nope. Just got your ear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He did have a super sad backstory though. He did. The shapeshifter.
0: I know. And like that's why I, and then he obviously the last thing he sucks he sought solace in was uh the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. That was just sad too. Mm-hmm. Also, like way to test out a theory by like grabbing another man's ear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not your first step.
1: I mean better an ear than anything else, you know.
0: This, this whole episode, it's just, it's so goofy and it's so funny. I mean, at one point, not only is Dracula driving off on a moped, <laughs> he stops like fighting Dean to pay for a pizza. With a coupon. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the coupon. I have a coupon. A coupon.
1: The kid's like, I don't care. Just pay me for the goddamn pizza.
0: See, in my mind, I feel like Dean wouldn't be Harker. I feel like Sam would be Harker and Dean would be Van Helsing, which is obviously reversed in this episode. Yeah. Because Dean is definitely the one that's going to be hunting people down. Right. Ben Helsing. I guess if Jessica were still alive.
1: Maybe. I mean, that girl kind of looked Jessica-esque.
0: She did look kind of Jessica-esque, which is why I was surprised that Dean was going for her and not Sam.
1: Yeah. But, you know, Dean's been re-virginated.
0: So. That's true. And Sam's kind of shacking up with Ruby. So maybe he's not looking for any other ladies.
1: You kind of forget that in this episode, and it's a little refreshing.
0: I know. It's so nice to not see her.
1: You don't have Bruby all up in your face.
0: Uh, and uh, Sam is just back to Sam. Yes. Uh, just Sam being Sam. All right. So is there anything else about this episode?
1: I don't think. Besides it was the fact fun. That,
0: Yeah. It was just such a fun episode. So fun. All right. Well, then, do you have any? I assume you have some really fun tiddly bits for this episode.
1: I got, I got a lot.
0: Oh, that makes me so excited. I
1: got a lot of bits. Uh, the first one I want to mention is last week I had said that it was the last episode that Kim Manners directed before he passed mm-hmm. in January, but his name was on the credits at the beginning.
0: Not in an in way either. No,
1: uh-uh, no. It was like directed by.
0: I mean, they could have directed this one before he passed. It would have just come out after.
1: Oh, wait a minute. I know why. I'm dumb. It's my first tiddly bit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize uh, this episode was originally scheduled to be the third episode in the season, so that is probably why.
0: Yeah, so it was Banner pre it. it was pre recorded before it came out. It just came out in a different. I you so know it was supposed to
1: be two episodes before this.
0: I I like I like that they have some episodes that they can literally kind of plug and chug. Yeah. Okay, so this was actually supposed to be the in the beginning.
1: Hmm. Huh. Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm happy that they chose in the beginning, and they pushed this one a little bit mid season.
1: I I just like this episode. It was a good. It's
0: a good refresher.
1: Yes, it's one of those, like I said, those cloud uh, that palate cleansing episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean, but Yellow Fever isn't like heavy it's either. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like they just wanted to give us a really, really good break in season four, since like season before, like literally all hell breaks loose.
1: Yeah. For real. Uh, As you know, this episode was filmed in black and white as an homage to classic monster movies. Uh, The sign at the beginning of the episode reading Pennsylvania changes to Transylvania when the lightning crashes. Or as Liz says, (laughs) Uh, When the camera reveals the banner advertising Oktoberfest, it lists the Happy Schnapps combo as entertainment. The Happy Schnapps combo is a polka band hailing from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, whose beer fueled musical mayhem has blown the foam off of many October fests.
0: That just makes me think of Home Alone. Yes, <laughs> is that the same band? Oh my, I don't think so. Hold on, was... oh, I'm gonna look Polka Band Home Alone because I think they were from. Were they from
1: Wisconsin? I just remember John Candy playing the uh, Gus Polinski,
0: the polka king of the Midwest. (laughs) Okay, so they were the Kenosha Kickers.
1: Kenosha Kickers.
0: That was their name.
1: I want to see the happy schnapps combo now.
0: But uh, Kenosha is in Wisconsin.
1: Is that the polka capital of the United States?
0: It has the Dinosaur Discovery Museum. I don't... But... So wait, where was this? Are they from Wisconsin too?
1: Yeah, Manitowoc. How far away That's, from that is Kenosha from Manitowoc?
0: <laughs> that is hilarious that they're both from Wisconsin.
1: I mean, we have polka here, but.
0: Yeah, but obviously, if you're mentioning Wisconsin twice, they, they're they popping out some polka.
1: Beer, cheese, and polka.
0: Beer, cheese, and polka. Okay. Sounds sorry. like heaven. <laughs> West <laughs> yeah. Virginia
1: is not almost heaven. Wisconsin's Wisconsin,
0: almost heaven. With t- <laughs> some cheese curds and some polka.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Sam introduces the brothers to the sheriff as FBI agents Angus and Young. Angus Young is the lead guitarist of ACDC, a band whose music often is often featured throughout the series. And I said ACDC correctly this time. Uh, Sam finds Ed Brewer in the Goethe Theater. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe was a German writer who wrote the famous tragic play Faust, which is the main theme of selling your, which is main theme is selling your soul to a demon is reiterated on this show. Ed Brewer, who's played by Michael Eklund, states that he saw the vampire attack. Uh, He actually plays an elder vampire in the movie Van Helsing in 2016. Huh. He also plays a vampire, Bobo Del Rey, in Winona Earp. Okay. I never watched that. I want to. I just haven't watched it. Uh, When Sam approaches the stairs in the movie theater, a poster of the 1953 film House of Wax can be seen in the foreground. And as we mentioned, probably... Like, 200 times. Jared Padalecki co-starred in the 2005 remake of House of Wax.
0: Heck yeah, he did. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like the movie, and the the originals fucked up. But, like, oh, the, <laughs> Pieces start falling. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys think you'll get an episode where we don't make the barfy noise.
0: It's going to happen. One day, <laughs>
1: it will happen. <laughs> uh, when Sam goes to confront Ed, who he assumes is a shapeshifter the brothers are looking for at the movie theater the sign at the entrance says the phantom of the opera is showing the phantom of the opera is effectively a metaphor for the monster of the week a person who was born different and thus alienated their entire life dean tells sam so what we got a vampire and a werewolf monster mashing this town he's referring to the graveyard smash hit monster mash by bobby boris pickett in the crypt kickers and if you want to go back and hear that song because you can't, you know, Google it. Our Monster Mash episode. (laughs) Yes. You can listen to that. We did a a special Halloween episode with monsters. We called it the Monster Mash. The opening credits are presented in the same way as that uh, classic black and white film credits were. There's even an intermission panel complete with closed curtain and soft music playing halfway through this episode. I like that touch. I forgot about it. The
0: creativity in this episode. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Whoever would have thought of that. In the mummy scene, the security guard asks if Helen might have any record of the delivery of the dummy. Helen is the name of the female lead in the original The Mummy, and from 1932, starring Boris Karloff. The name Chandler is also used in this episode. Helen Chandler was the actress that played Mina in the 1931 Dracula. Dracula's line, It Was Beauty That Killed the Beast, uh, is from King Kong, 1933. Mm-hmm. The portrayal of the Dracula character in this episode refers in looks and gestures to famous horror movie actor Bela Lugosi's iconic portrayal of Dracula in the classic movie of the same name from 1931. Among other things, the cloak, Lugosi's speech form pattern, and the way he holds the cloak to disguise his face are gestures used by Lugosi. This also might be referenced to the Ed Wood movie Plan 9 from Outer Space, sometimes called the quote-unquote worst movie of all time. And somewhat of a cult hit amongst fans, the movie was to have starred Lugosi, but Lugosi died before the movie could be filmed, and Ed Wood hired his wife's chiropractor, who barely looked like Lugosi, as a replacement. Wood intercut silent scenes from Lugosi with scenes filmed with the other man, who had uh, raised his cloak to conceal his face and the fact that he wasn't Lugosi.
0: And if you want an idea of that, besides watching Plan 9 from Outer Space, definitely check out Ed Wood, directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. Hmm. I like that it was his wife's chiropractor. Like they couldn't find anybody else. I know. It was, but if you, it's a very good, and then it also has Martin Landau, who does play Bella Lugosi in *Edwood*. Oh, okay. It's very, it's a good movie. It's a good movie about a very bad movie.
1: <laughs> Imagine that. Can they make a movie about killer clones from outer space then? Because that was also a horrible movie. That was a horrible movie. Or um, Army of Darkness, also a horrible movie. No, they
0: made that a musical oh my god are you kidding me yeah i saw it it's wild (laughs) oh my lord yeah there's an army of darkness musical
1: oh my god i had to take that in for a minute i'm sorry (sighs) okay (laughs) uh the the monster refers to dina jamie as harker and mina respectively there's also a character named lucy all three are references to bram stoker's dracula fitting uh with the theme sam would be van helsing the oh (laughs) ha! i almost read bookie as bookie (laughs) Like spooky, sp- like spooky, booky, <laughs> like spooky. I was like, What's a bookie professor?
0: So, it's so basically what you're trying to say is like a horror novel is a spooky, bookie.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, TM TM TM, 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 TM,
0: TM, TM, I gotta go read my TM, spooky, TM. bookie now.
1: <laughs> so, say it's about me. the
0: Babadookie. <laughs> okay, you can finish yourself now. I'm done.
1: And I? I don't think I can say it would be Van Helsing, the bookie. Professor who haunts Dracula, Dracula. He doesn't haunt him. Jesus Christ.
0: Are you okay?
1: I can't. It's too oh, early. Oh, man. I, <laughs> this is, water. I don't know. This is a, yeah,
0: this is an early, early uh, supernatural balls podcast.
1: Oh, Lord. I have, okay. I, I, I'm almost done. Hopefully I can get through it.
0: I believe in you.
1: <laughs> when Dean is talking to Jamie in the bar, he says, we're on a mission from God which is a famous line from the movie The Blues Brothers. Dan Aykroyd's character Elwood speaks this line. That's a good movie. I like that movie. Unlike Killer Collins from Outer Space. Todd Scott, who plays a security guard in this episode, is the stunt double for Jensen Ackles. When the monster is about to die and then during the end titles, the violin theme quotes the first four notes of Young Frankenstein's main theme. Also, another good film.
0: It's a wonderful film. Absolutely wonderful. Gene Wilder. Love
1: him. My parents quote it like daily.
0: Um, I saw again. I saw the musical. <laughs> um, but I also have a huge. I love Mel Brooks, and like I said, I love Gene Wilder. And Mel Brooks uses Gene Wilder in, in, in at least three of his main films: uh, Amazing Saddles. Saddles*, *The yeah. Producers*, and mm-hmm. *Young Frankenstein*. Uh, all of which are amazing. I agree. But my mom would be like, just randomly, she'd be like, "Put the which the candle but I also do the Would you like a roll in the hay? Yeah. Oh, roll, roll, roll in the hay. <laughs> and my dad my dad did the Frau Blue Hair.
1: <laughs> yes. Or the walk this way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Abby normal.
1: <laughs> did you get me an abnormal brain? My dad says it every time I talk to my friend Abby. <laughs> he's
0: like, "How's See? Abby normal?" See, it's <laughs> it's so iconic so iconic. I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm so happy you brought it up because I really wanted to bring up Young Frankenstein. (laughs)
1: Okay. I love that movie. Yeah, Blazing Saddles where they're at the... um, Sorry, I had to get off topic. But when they're at like the... What is that? um,
0: The toll booth? Toll booth? (laughs) We're getting a shitload of dimes! The fact that I picked out whatever you were trying to say about that part of Blazing Saddles (laughs) says a lot about our brain connectivity. Exactly. Because it could have been a lot of stuff. Because I also like the... uh, Steady as a rock. This is my shooting hand. Um, and I also have uh, I'm So Tired on my Spotify because I love Madeline Kahn. And that song is kind of my life now. I'm tired, sick and tired of love. <laughs> my
1: dad always goes, give the governor a humph Oh,
0: man. All right.
1: Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, we, could, we could probably do an episode on Mel Brooks. I don't have. I, I did
0: a whole speech for speech class, so. <laughs> I want a trip. I want a trip to Hollywood with a Mel Brooks quote.
1: It's <laughs> pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I did a why you had to like basically say why you wanted to go to the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival because I was in journalism, and Turner Classic Movies came and did like a thing at our college, and so I wrote this whole thing about how I grew up with movies between my dad and my uncle and him coming over and explaining how movies worked and behind the scenes and all that stuff, and how I fell in love with film and always wanted to be an actress, and I ended it with. A quote from the producers where it said uh I just I want everything I've ever seen in the movies and it's what Gene Wilder says when he stands up on the statue like the fountain at the producers and that's what I ended it with and I was like I don't know if it I mean it worked <laughs> I went to the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival but I maintain that that's the reason
1: that's so awesome
0: yeah I ended it with like you know what I just I want everything I've ever seen in the movies
1: another thing just popped into my head in Spaceballs where they're combing the desert with like the giant combs. Giant
0: combs. I
1: remember being, because I watched all these movies when I was younger. Like young. Oh my god. Probably like too young to understand half of it. And with, <laughs> when they're combing the desert, those giant big combs.
0: And then the one guy's like, "We ain't found shit." <laughs> okay. I just I wasn't prepared, and I didn't understand the alien reference with the "Hello, my baby." My Hello, baby. <laughs> Hello, my right time girl. <laughs> I just thought he was a fun guy just going across the counter. He looked great. I mean, the the poor guy didn't survive, but like he was thriving. He had a little cane and a top hat? (laughs) Yeah, he was channeling his young Frankenstein. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be good cutting room floor shit. All Uh, right. (laughs) No,
1: this is staying in.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Okay, what other tiddly bits you got?
1: (laughs) That would make people want to let, no.
0: Or not. (laughs) Or, uh, I don't know. It could Lose all sponsorships now.
1: Damn it. Uh Dracula's line do not use such language in the presence of my bride is probably a nod to the fact that until the 1970s ac- actors weren't allowed to swear in films.
0: Yeah, the Hays code.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Uh caused a lot of issues and it actually like halted uh some of the monster movies.
1: Oh, really? Oh, good old
0: fucking Hays code.
1: Oh, hey, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> it's hey, not related hey. to me. <laughs> is it um, Y e. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's spelled my name, which I don't appreciate.
1: You don't want to be associated but with it
0: that. But it was, well, it was uh, created by William H. Hayes, who was the president of the time of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America um, from 1934 to 1968. It wasn't great. But it came up with like 36, like, don'ts and be carefuls. Oh,
1: cool. Be careful.
0: <laughs> Here are some of the ones. So this is the major principles of the Hayes Code. Uh, no picture shall be produced, which will lower the moral standards of those who see it (laughs) okay uh hence the sympathy of the audience will never be thrown to the side of crime wrongdoing evil or sin which is a problem because when monster movies originally came out they made you feel sympathetic towards the monsters every single way yeah like you look at dracula you look at wolfman you look at frankenstein you look at phantom of the opera like they're all you feel for the bad guy right so that caused a lot of issues. Correct standards of life, subject only to the requirements of drama, shall be presented. Law, natural, or human shall not be ridiculed, nor shall sympathy be created for its violation. There was prohibitions on nudity, suggestive dances, discussions of psycho sexual perversity, um, sup- superfluous use of liquor, <laughs> ridicule of religion, uh, lustful kissing, Ooh. scenes of passion. Some like it hot, uh, which was out in nineteen fifty nine. Was released without a certification, a certificate of approval from the Production Code Administration. But that one was kind of like the first nail in the coffin for the Hays Code because it got overwhelmingly successful. So therefore, it weakened the authority of the code because the code was like these moral high standards, and here comes a movie that was successful without following the code, which made me be like, "Mm." Yeah. So like Betty Boop had to wear a longer skirt during the Hays Code time.
1: Oh, I love me some Betty Boop.
0: Because of her sexual dancing or her suggestive dancing
1: her fishnets and her boobs out
0: yeah they had to <laughs> change some of that but yeah that was the haze code that caused some caused us a lot of changes and stoppages
1: interesting i didn't know about that uh here's a little spoiler in this episode the vampire shapeshifter dresses dean in a hansel costume in season 10 episode 12 about a boy dean becomes hansel's next victim after being turned back into his 14 year old self also, despite Dean's assertion in season one, episode two, Windigo, that he doesn't quote unquote do shorts, hmm. uh, we see him here in a later hosen, albeit non consensually. He also wears very tight shorts, he described by Jensen as nut huggers uh, in season four, episode 13, after school special. And you might also remember that he washes his car in a very short pair of cutoffs later
0: on. Let's also not forget gym teacher Dean. Did you mention that?
1: Yeah, that's the last one okay. I
0: mentioned. Okay.
1: Red, his red shorts. Yeah. Yeah, and his little headband.
0: His his matching headband. Yeah. And his whistle. Yeah, that's his nut. Whistle others. makes him Whistle makes him their god.
1: <laughs> he blasts that kid with the dodgeball.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <sighs>
1: Thank God that's coming up soon. Yes. Sheriff Dietrich mentions the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. This is the third time that the series has referred to this author. The name Talbot, in reference to Bella's last name, is also important to Rice's Vampire Chronicles, as David Talbot is a major character who even narrates one of the chronicles, Merrick. In the episode Malleus Maleficarum, when Dean called 911, he said that the witch is in the circle of Mayfair, the Mayfair witches uh, being another book series by the same author. And my last bit of tittle, you know, it's been a lot. Uh, this was revealed as one of Jared Padalecki's favorite episodes. Ah,
0: I do. I liked him for a reason.
1: He said that it's because it has some classic movie monsters. It's filmed in black and white, and you get to see Jensen Ackles in a later hosen.
0: <laughs> it's really the later hosen that did it for Jared.
1: I think so. He probably wanted the later hosen to be shorter.
0: Hike it up. <laughs> All right. Well, I did not go into shapeshifter because we did that already in episode six of season one thank god as well as multiple (laughs) other episodes and season two uh so i decided to focus on the monster movie yay and i'm focusing mainly on what this episode did which is the universal classic monsters which started with bella lugosi's dracula in 1931 um even though technically the monster movie started in germany in 1915 with a silent film called the golem the American studios didn't actually start until the 1930s. So uh, Bella Lugosi is credited as creating the vampire stereotype, even though the original vampire movie was a 1922 film, Nosferatu, a symphony of horror starring Max Schreck, directed by F.W. Murnau, which was a silent German expressionist film, which was also based on Bram Stoker's book, which is also what Dracula Uh, by lugosi's film is based off of so it's a movie based on a movie based on a book (laughs) okay um dracula was the actual first talkie monster movie because there were a couple of silent films that were already out at the time that were not talkies so dracula is the first talkie film and it came out february 14th 1931
1: On Valentine's Day.
0: On Valentine's Day. And Bela Lugosi was actually not desired by producers for the role of Dracula. But after strong reviews from his role in the play actually got him the part. Because he was on Broadway in 1927. And it was actually Bela Lugosi's first English speaking role.
1: Oh,
0: wow. Uh, Newspaper reviews at the time says the debut of the movie at the Roxy Theater caused some audience members to actually faint from shock. Especially when he was coming down the stairs. Next we have... Do you want me to go in, like, actual order? Because I didn't go in actual order. I kind of went in the I- order they showed up in the episode.
1: Do whatever feels right okay. to you.
0: So next we have The Wolfman. This one came out December 12th, 1941. And he was portrayed by Lon Chaney Jr. Not to be confused with Lon Chaney, even though the studios did kind of exploit that after dropping the Jr. later on. Oh. Uh, but Lon Chaney Jr. actually was one of the only characters to actually consistently play a monster movie that he was. So he, in all the sequels, was The Wolfman. Oh, okay. Um... Lugosi actually wanted the role of the wolf man was beat out by Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, Lugosi eventually ends up playing a fortune teller, which is the catalyst to the movie. And Claude Rains, who plays the Invisible Man, also plays a supporting role. This movie was based on the European legend of werewolves. uh, The first movie being Werewolf of London in 1935. And this movie actually presents a poem on werewolves and wolvesbane which if you're not familiar with Wolf's Bane, it is a dried root of the, I'm going to mess this up because I don't know plants, <laughs> uh, dried root of the Oconotum napellus, which is actually a toxic root, um, which was used in medicinal reasons, but because of the toxicity it has since stopped being used. Um, but the poem was presented as an old urban legend. And in 1943, Frankenstein actually meets the Wolfman, which also starred Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman, but Bella Lugosi playing the role of Frankenstein's monster. Oh, so even though he was Dracula, he played the monster, which is going into the fact that Lon Chaney Jr. was the only one to play his monster consistently. Next, we have the Phantom of the Opera, which was originally a 1925 film, silent film, which was one of the first two silent films, obviously Nosferatu and the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, This came out November 15th, 1925. So this is the silent version. This okay. is not the talkie version. Uh, it is an adap- uh, adaptation of Gaston Leroux's 1910 novel, *Le Fantôme de l'Opera. It stars Lon Chaney as Leonidas Frank. Uh, and Lon Chaney was dubbed the man of a thousand faces and predominantly did his own makeup and prosthetics and was known to be able to change his look no matter what he did. And most people actually let him do his own makeup. He didn't have people do it himself.
1: Oh, that's super cool.
0: He also starred in the 1923 silent film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And Lon Chaney actually died at age 47, but starred in more than 150 films in his time. Wow. Now, the name of the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera is Eric, if you didn't know.
1: I did not know.
0: And this movie was filmed on Universal Soundstage 28 and was used, uh, was one of the first ones to use the really expensive process of two color technicolor. And like I said, Chaney did his own makeup for the Phantom of the Opera. Next, we have The Mummy. This came out December 22nd, 1932, and it was loosely based on a story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who created Sherlock Holmes. And The Mummy in this is played by Boris Karloff, and it actually took eight hours a day to get Karloff into makeup for Imhotep. And Karloff actually played another role of the Egyptian Ardoth Bey.
1: I couldn't imagine sitting there for eight hours trying to get makeup on me i know right and then have to film and then have to take it off
0: well don't worry because he did the same thing almost for frankenstein which came out november 12th 1931 so you had both two heavy hitters dracula and frankenstein coming out both in 1931 obviously dracula in february frankenstein in november Uh, and frankenstein starred boris karloff and was directed by james whale who would also then go on to uh direct the invisible man starring claude rains in 1933 and according to the numbers.com, Frankenstein was the number one grossing film of 1931. So, Carl Lamel, who was the head of Universal, was onto something. He saw these monster movies, knew they were going to be a hit, and obviously swung for the fences with Dracula and just knocked it out of the park with Frankenstein, which is also surprising because Boris Karloff didn't utter a single word of dialogue. So, he actually never looked at the script. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bella Lugosi did tape for the role on the set of Dracula, but was not cast in it. But he did get his due, obviously, when he got to do for bring God, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh, Frankenstein also had one of the most popular and well-received sequels in The Bride of Frankenstein, which came out May 6, 1935, starring Elsa Lancaster or Lanchester. And this movie was also based on the Mary Shelley's night, uh, 1818 novel Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. And this movie, the original, actually didn't have who we thought as a sidekick to Frankenstein. Uh, We usually associate Igor or Igor with Frankenstein. But in this movie, there's actually the character of Fritz, who plays Henry Frankenstein's assistant. And this is played by Victor Moretz. Igor or Igor doesn't actually appear until the son of Frankenstein in 1939.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Uh, Now, obviously, they would go on to have multiple sequels. Such as The Werewolf of London, Dracula's Daughter, Son of Frankenstein, uh, The Mummy's Hand, The Invisible Woman. uh, And then you had the branch of kaiju films, which are monster, monster movies. So you had Godzilla and King Kong and those guys that uh, artists, artists started gaining popularity in Japan that kind of made their way over to America. So obviously, American film is grabbing from across the oceans. Uh, seeing what's working for them and what's not. But obviously, due to the haze Code, there was a lot of changes that happened. And a lot of these guys um, started to kind of change. You had a creature from the Black Lagoon and a bunch of other random, like, the fly coming out of places. But they all come out of different things. So, like, the 1950s brought the creature from the Black Lagoon, which was a creature So now you're getting out of monsters and getting into creature films. And this was made for the atomic age. So you already had like atomic bombs and things happening. So people are wondering what's going on with those. And uh, you were able to like really dive into science fiction and not horror. And then later on, because of the Hays Code and other things, you started seeing uh, horror movies and these ideas of monster movies kind of changing. And instead of offering these supernatural Uh, creatures, you started seeing natural beings as deadly antagonists. Um, So you had humans such as Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates in Sons of the Lambs in 1991 and Norman Bates in Psycho in 1960. Um, But then you also had these animal films where you're taking something out of your normal day life and making it terrifying. So you had seagulls in The Birds In 1963, you had uh, Sharks and Jaws, 1975, and you had Dogs and Cujo in 1983. And then you had things where you kind of sympathize with them, but not fully uh, to kind of get around the Hays codes. So you had the Kaijus, so Godzilla, who was born out of something we did that we caused to create. Um, in an atomic bomb and then you had king kong who was a product of his environment who was on an island doing his own thing that humans took and displaced him causing a whole ruckus (laughs) a whole thing
1: that's one way to put it it was a ruckus
0: (laughs) but uh these movies were so popular that universal did create the universal classic monsters and they even have their own cafe in universal studios and a lot of the heavy hitters, which were the main heads, so Dracula and Frankenstein, would go on to be faces and other things, such as cereal. They were the spokesmen for Frankenberry and uh, Count Chocula. Count Chocula is so good. And then you had, uh, obviously, the Count, Count von Count in Elite. Sesame Street. Yeah. And on then. A
1: ha ha ha, ha.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Now, in. 1972, there was a film magazine that was founded called The Monster Times, and that magazine actually conducted a poll to determine the most popular screen monster, uh, and this included Count Dracula, King Kong, Wolfman, Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein's monster, because there's that differentiation. A lot of people think that Frankenstein's monster is Frankenstein, and that's not the Doctor is Frankenstein. The monster actually never has a name. Godzilla was actually voted the most popular movie monster. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't go too much into The Invisible Man because obviously we didn't really have too much of The Invisible Man.
1: Well, You can't see him anyway, so.
0: <laughs> now, Universal did have something called The Inner Sanctum, which is a popular radio program that portrayed mysteries. Oh. Um, it was usually hosted by a horror movie star. So, people you had on The Inner Sanctum were Boris Karloff, Claude Rains, Vincent Price, Lon Chaney, oh. Bella Lugosi, but then you'd also have people like Burgess Meredith, Orson Welles, Frank Sinatra, Richard Widmark. Uh, And there were actually over 500 episodes broadcasted. And what was the telltale of the Inner Sanctum mysteries were the creaking door opening over where the voiceover began. Yeah. But then later on in 1940s, there were actually six films produced by Universal Studios that used the Inner Sanctum name all of which featured Lon Chaney and the first one being calling Dr. Death, which was actually filmed in just three weeks on one universal lot. And they were all extremely low budget, but um, obviously we still talk today about the horror movie monsters. So they still consistently are popular. You'll see them still all over universal studios. And obviously you had parodies of them. So they made a mark with things like Abbott and Costello films. Then you had, Things like the monsters. So that's where we are. I also use, I got my information from acclaimhealth.co, historycollection.com, vulture.com, uh, liveabout. And if you're curious, I do have a very quick every classic monster movie, universal monster movie ranked by Vulture. Oh, hit me with it. Okay, we're going to start, we're going to do the top 10. Okay. I'm gonna scroll down to the, the very bottom.
1: We're starting at 10.
0: We're starting at, yes. Okay. We'll start at 10. And we'll go. Because there's thirty one.
1: Oh, yeah. We might be we'll post that. We'll post right. the link.
0: <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm gonna give an honorary mention to number eleven. Okay. So at number eleven you have Revenge of the Creature, nineteen fifty five. And this is the first sequel to The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, okay. Number ten, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, nineteen forty eight. Then you have Dracula, nineteen thirty one, the Spanish language version. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which ironically, uh the director, George Melford, spoke no Spanish.
1: Oh. <laughs> so was it accurate? <laughs>
0: uh well, they had a I mean, uh, I think Dracula was actually played by Carlos Valerias. Oh, okay. And Lupita Tovar was Mina, which okay. she was renamed to Ava in the movie. Uh number eight we have Son of Frankenstein, nineteen thirty nine. And Baron Wolf von Frankenstein is played by Basil Rathbone. And this is where you find uh, Igor, who plays, who's played by Lugosi, and then uncovering the body of the monster, Karloff, for the last time. This is the last time he played Frankenstein. Uh, number seven, we have Dracula, 1931. Number six, we have Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954. Number five, we have The Wolfman, 1941. Number four, The Invisible Man, 1933. Number three... Frankenstein 1931. Number two. The Mummy 1932. And number one. Drum roll. Bride of Frankenstein 1935 actually beat out the original Frankenstein. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Uh, What made it more popular was the fact that it held up a a distorted mirror to romance and reworks the idea driving into the original idea of a dark comedy. Okay. Okay. And also, a little fun fact about that movie Elsa Lanchester actually did her typical, like her iconic hiss, her uh, from hissing geese. (laughs) Really? Yep.
1: (laughs) It's crazy where your inspiration will come from.
0: And this is actually where Boris Karloff gets a line to say. Oh. Uh, he is quoted as his dying words being, we belong dead. Ooh. Because he never wanted to be created in the first place. Yeah. Which is why he got Brad of Frankenstein, because he didn't want to be alone anymore. Yeah. So that's all I got.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I could go on. I love classic movies, but I, I figured a couple snippets, because I know I talked about it also in the Monster Mash episode. Yeah. We're fine with this. Next time, we will be season four, episode six, yellow fever another good one another classic
1: another good one another classic indeed
0: continue doing what you guys do best like us share us interact with us more interaction would be great we love talking to you guys we really do about anything again what you like what you don't like what you want to see more of what you don't want to see at all (laughs)
1: i hope it's not us
0: i mean they don't see us anyway
1: i mean on no you're right
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but you guys can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us.
1: Okie dokie then.
0: <laughs> okay, well that's a good I'm wrap. St- I'm trying to
1: think of stuff to say, and I'm like, I don't, I got nothing. Okay, well thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy. If you want more, follow on Twitter and Instagram at SPNBallspod Balls Pod or email spnballspod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe and follow Balls on your favorite streaming service.